0: Caregiving is one of the hardest and most humbling experiences for a spouse or a child. It's an experience full of emotionally draining challenges. Join me, Wanda Brandy Purcell, on the Accidental Care Partners podcast as I bring you information and practical tips for caregiving that have been gleaned for more than 20 years working with family care partners and helping professionals. Please join me for the next few minutes. You'll be glad you did. there. Welcome to today's show on the Accidental Care Partners podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Wanda Brady Purcell. Our topic today is learning all about how to have difficult conversations with our loved ones. The next 3 episodes may resonate with the middle-aged children of our elders because these difficult conversations begin when we are concerned for our loved one's safety and well-being. And they often end with one or both parties feeling hurt or frustrated. Today we begin a three-part series by starting with the huge angst-producing topic of driving. And we will work our way through the talk about living arrangements, living alone with family or in a facility. And we will culminate the series with a discussion of how to talk about end-of-life issues such as advanced directives, funeral arrangements, and funeral services. First off, I'd like to identify some points along the lifespan when difficult conversations are necessary. Many of these may bring back memories for you. When a child leaves home for the first day of kindergarten, the parent begins preparing them a week or so ahead of time. There are big conversations about safety, rules, and fun. When a teenager goes on their first date, the parent initiates a big conversation about safety, appropriate conduct, expectations, and curfew. When a teenager begins driving without the parent in the car, the parent demands a big conversation about safety, taking responsibility for themselves and others, speeding and who pays for tickets, drinking and driving, when to call the parent, And so on. Then, when a young adult leaves home after high school, either by moving into their own place or going off to college, a big conversation or a series of conversations will be had, with the parents covering everything from safety in the new environment, taking responsibility for themselves and others, navigating the road, drinking responsibly, how to handle finances, and how to pay the bills. Are just a few things that have to be talked about. Each of these conversations were a form of advanced planning and preparation. And then everyone coast for two, three, four decades. And the difficult conversations that have to occur at the initiation of the child to the parent serves the same purpose. Ideally, we want to have these conversations before we need to make a change. My parents never acted like they were stressed out when they held these preparatory sessions with me. But boy, did I feel stressed out when I was the parent and had to prepare my own children for all of these transitions in their lives. And when it came time for the reverse difficult conversations with my parents, I had a rapid heartbeat and sweaty palms, almost like a teenager facing them with bad news. I hope that the things I've learned and what others have learned will help you with this role reversal. We can master this challenge with a little forethought, planning, and coaching. Maybe you noticed that safety and personal responsibility were in each conversation between the parent and the child. These will be the main points in your difficult conversations, too. You may find having the conversation is easier if you take a few minutes to reflect on all these moments shared when you needed to know someone was looking out for you and taking all the measures they could to make sure you are safe and protected, for that is what you are now doing for your loved one. When is it time for your loved one to stop driving? Well, you can begin the conversation early, maybe even years early if you have the time and are early in the game, by asking your parent to agree to discuss this issue along life's path so that when the time comes to change his or her mode of transportation, there are no surprises. But if you miss that opportunity, it's not too late to pick up the banner, especially if your care receiver is still able to cognitively process all that you are saying. I'll discuss a little later about options for you when your loved one has cognitive deficits. It might be helpful if you start with one or two of the examples we just listed of all the difficult conversations you've had between you over the years. Take care to allow time for your loved one to soak in the memories. Don't rush the conversation. And if either party begins to get upset, take a step back and give a little time for the idea to take root. You might abandon the talk on Monday, but try again on Wednesday, and keep coming back to it until you have resolved the issue. Reign in your frustration, because that will not serve your goal, which is to come to a compromise that will keep your loved ones safe. Make sure you're prepared to discuss your reason for the suggestion you're making. Have you noticed issues that concern you? Describe those and the possible scenarios that could result if he or she continues to drive. You might say something like, I've noticed you're having a hard time seeing the center line in the road. Do you get nervous when you're meeting another vehicle? Can you imagine how awful it would be if you were to have a wreck? Then you might suggest having an eye exam to see how good her vision is. This could lead to the next level of the conversation. Another example would be, you might say, I've noticed other cars are speeding around you and seem to be impatient with you. Do you get nervous when others pass? Do you think you could cause an accident because you're driving so slowly? And then just see where the conversation takes you. I've put together a general checklist that is included in the show notes and can be downloaded from the AccidentalCarePartners.com website. Just go there and find Episode 13 on the podcast page, and the checklist will be there. Now, this checklist is for educational purposes only, and you need to know that I disclaim any liability, loss, or risk incurred as a consequence, either directly or indirectly, from the use and application of any of this material. I want you to simply use the Accidental Care Partners Checklist to help you decide if an official evaluation is needed or if you have enough information to actually discuss it with your loved one. And if you think an official evaluation is needed, check with your local division of motor vehicles. You know, their dreaded DMV. They might have local resources that provide driving evals. I discovered the University of Florida has an online tool to help do the driver's assessment. You can go online to www.fitness2drivescreening.com and I've put a link in the show notes for you. But this has a 21 item checklist to help you do the assessment. According to the website, here's the quote, after completing the screening, a key form or rating profile of the driver is available, which includes a classification of the driver into one of three categories, at-risk, routine driver, or accomplished driver. Based on the specific driver category, recommendations are given as follow-up steps. And this assessment is also available in Canada. And again, I put the link to this screening on the website too. Now, an official evaluation could be very helpful because hearing the results of the driving assessment from an impartial third party may be accepted just a little better than it would be from a worried, stressed out son or daughter. The evaluator may also offer suggestions if there are accommodations that could be made to help your loved one continue driving safely. I'm immediately thinking about things like pedal extenders so that your loved one can reach the pedals without being too snug against the steering wheel. In all cases, you should continue talking to your loved one all along the way from the time of your first unofficial observations to the formal assessment if you choose to go that route. And be ready to offer possible compromises so that you can reassure your care receiver that their needs for transportation and socialization will be met. Losing the ability to drive is a huge loss of independence, but it may also impact the psychological and emotional health of your loved one, especially if all social activities are dropped as a result of the loss of driving privileges. Possible solutions to this difficult situation could be no driving at all, or limited driving by distance, or limited driving by time of day, such as they could drive within a three-mile radius, or there's no driving at night, or there's no interstate driving. Be sure to offer alternative options, such as public transportation, or a designated driver to get them where they want to go, such as to the grocery store, the beauty shop, and to church. Safety of your loved one comes first before convenience. If driving is no longer an option, be prepared with a list of alternative means of transportation, such as public transport, private cabs, or Uber-type carriers, and always assess your loved one's ability to use the chosen means safely. In previous shows, I've talked about having this difficult conversation with my dad, who had dementia. It was a very difficult conversation because he believed he was still able to drive. Our biggest fear was that he would not be able to find his way home and we would not know how to find where he was. So in the end, if you have a loved one who is suffering from some cognitive deficit, whether it's from stroke or dementia or Parkinson's dementia or Lewy body or any other kind of situation that has impaired their thinking, then the situations that we've just talked about are not going to work for you. You will have to get creative and you will have to just work through the difficult time because, again, safety comes first. If they're no longer able to operate a vehicle safely, they're not only risking their lives, but you're also risking the other drivers on the road. And legally, if you are their POA, then you have a responsibility for that. So don't take it lightly. Make the decisions, even if it's a hard one, to keep everyone safe. Now, I want to give you another, almost a comical example of what happens when you need to have the conversation. And I've told this story many times to my caregiving support groups, and it always makes us laugh, but it's about my grandmother. Now, my grandmother lived in a very rural part of Alabama, And she lived on a farm and had lived there all of her married life. She was um, known for her fast driving. She had a lead foot and she taught every one of her granddaughters to drive the same way. So it's a family thing. But anyway, she knew every state trooper, every policeman for about a five county area because she was notorious for her driving. But one day, a local policeman actually saw her drive off the road and she almost hit a ditch. And she did manage to get her car back on the road and he um actually followed her home, made sure she got home safely. But then, being in a small town, one of the perks of living in a small town is that everybody knows everybody. So he actually went to see my uncle and told him what had happened. So my uncle got with my mom And they decided, okay, it's time to have the talk because she has to stop driving. So they went to actually see her. And, you know, after the policeman's observation, it was very plain that she was now considered an at-risk driver. Not only was she risking herself, but if she had crossed the center line rather than going off the road, she actually could have run head-on into somebody else. So when my mom and uncle went to talk to her, they asked her if she remembered the incident and she didn't deny it. And she even admitted that it had sort of scared her. Um, she just didn't want to say anything because she knew if she talked about it, then definitely they would not let her drive. So they were able to come to a compromise. They all agreed that she could still manage driving to church which was less than a mile from her home on a country road. There were no big ditches and they felt it would be safe. But all other activities would be coordinated with her children to provide transportation since, you know, in the rural areas there was no public transportation. So my mom or uncle either took her to the grocery store or they picked up what she needed and brought it to her. The hardest part for my extremely outgoing grandmother, was the social isolation. Once she stopped driving, she was at the mercy of others to come see her. And that was hard. So if it's possible, set up a schedule to meet your loved one's emotional and mental health needs that could be compromised due to social isolation. And you know, this is even more important now during this era of COVID-19. If it is time for their driving to cease, don't leave them stranded with no means to get out and continue living their life. Make sure you offer options that are actually doable. And if you use things like cab drivers or Uber or public transportation, do it with them a time or two and make sure they know what they're doing with each case. Especially if they're using public transportation but have never done that before. Make sure they know how to read the schedules, know which buses to get on, and know when to get off and how to pay. If they're using an Uber, make sure they have the Uber app. And if they're using a cab, make sure it's a reputable cab company that will not gouge. So with those words of caution, I just encourage you, be thinking about how you can start the conversation By simply remembering all those difficult conversations your parents had with you and then just turn it back around and tell them everything you're doing is for their best interest and you're going to be there to support them every step of the way. Thanks for listening. If you found the information to be helpful, please share it with others. And check out the show notes for the sources and possible resources related to today's episode. And you can always go to our website, which is the AccidentalCarePartners.com website for additional tips and tools. But if you have questions or comments, please email me at CarePartnersPodcast2020 at gmail.com. I'll respond to you as soon as I can. But until next time, always remember, I know that caregiving is hard, so please be kind to yourself.